no one's going to change the world and we're not going to change um, the situation we're in if we don't make brave and radical moves. Hi, Fiona. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, so everybody, I'm here with Fiona Morgan, who runs up everything to do with the Impact League over at SailGP. And um, we've known each other for a couple of years now and, and got connected actually um, while I was being an athlete in the SailGP League and also heading up the Impact League stuff for the Canadian team. Um, so I guess, Fiona, what, what exactly is the Impact League for people who don't know what it is? Yeah, well... Firstly, I probably am a unicorn in sport, so I'm the chief purpose officer here at CellGP, which is a title I'm really proud of and one I hope other sports do. And and the reason I say that, it's kind of beyond sustainability. It's um, being like a conscious officer of a sport and, and making them make decisions better. So sitting at management level and challenging change at the top, because we all know that's a big part of it, being in the decisions and the big decisions of the business is where you're going to really change behaviors and the way you can be more sustainable. So that is me. And yeah, I think I'm the only one in global sport um, at the moment. And what is really nice is when young people, um, I do a lot of mentoring, like uh, sports pro media around women's sport. And a lot of young people are applicants say, I want to be a chief purpose officer. You know, I want that kind of job because that is a different way of growing a sport you know, and doing it for the good of uh, D&I and environmental sustainability. So I hope um, we inspire people to have this role, but it also has business value, which we'll kind of come on to, I think, at the end of the podcast. But the Impact League. So where do we start? Mm -hmm. So it is the second podium at CLGP. So we're the only sport in the world that has two trophies. And that was important to me when I came in three years ago. Uh, into sailing. I'm not a sailor. Isabella knows that. You know, I, I've worked in Formula One, tennis, golf, cricket. Um, background is a rubbish tennis player, but worked in media, talent. You know, I was a lawyer back in the day. So I didn't know the sport, but obviously I've worked in lots of sport and actually did a lot around behavioral science. So when I worked at Sky, the media company, and actually in cycling, I, I ran um, their cycling investments. We really looked at behavior change. How do we change behaviors? And you really have to kind of diagnose how to do that in the audiences and, and what you're trying to change. And so when we came to CLGP, my job, as you said, is a bit of a unicorn. And I wanted it to make us the most sustainable and purpose-driven sport in the world, which is kind of difficult. But to do that, I thought, what's the main thing sport can do to use its platform for good? And for me, it's like business. We need to redefine performance. So businesses are doing that. CEOs are redefining how, you know, they're successful. It's not just about money. It's about are they hitting their climate, you know, carbon reduction? Are they, you know, a diverse business? So it was kind of that concept of redefining performance. And our athletes are our big ambassadors and showcase for the world. And we know consumers and fans and, and people really listen to athletes. So that's why the Impact League was using the athletes and the teams to change behavior. So the concept is based on our teams acting sustainably. So that's environmental and social sustainability. So kind of all the things I'm trying to do, they're, they're doing it for me. Um, and so it is based on strategy. And we had 10 criteria from day one, which is probably too much, to be honest, looking back. But it was all about how do they travel? A bit like everyone listening to podcasts, you know, how do you travel? What, you know, what are you eating? Um, for athletes, how are they using their voice for good? How are they collaborating? How are they driving gender equity within our sport, which is a problem and a challenge? 
um, and then they get points for it. So it really is that trophy and, and there's money at the end. Um, so that's the basic concept. There's quite a lot around it. And Isabella knows kind of the intricacies, but it was redefining performance and actually celebrating sustainable athletes. So athletes and teams that act sustainably because that's who we are as a business. And if they don't do it themselves, they can't talk about it. And obviously you learn as you do. So you change behaviors and mindsets by actually doing it and incentivizing that behavior. Yeah, it was um, it was very interesting coming at this sort of with two hats on always, um, both as an athlete trying to perf- like optimize performance out on the water and not necessarily thinking about everything else that we were doing around how it was impacting, whether it was our environmental footprint or going and spending extra time with school groups, um, sort of in between the race days, which were already quite long. But then also having this other hat on of actually trying to internally lead the purpose within the Canadian team and getting buy-in from that. and. I guess when I first jumped into it, I looked at it and went, this is going to be easy. There's prize money. It's incentivized. (laughs) You get better crane pullout times. Like there's no way athletes aren't going to want to buy into this. And um, I'd already sort of brought in a sustainability mission in the cycling team ahead of that. And it really, I mean, getting buy-in there was quite easy. And I don't think though I appreciated necessarily that I was actually actively recruiting athletes who were already engaged and minded of using sport as a, as purpose for good and a driver of change. And, um, I mean, I, I can, I could share some really good stories. I don't know if I will on this podcast on, on some of the uphill uphill battles that I faced in the, in the Canadian team, but I am, I'm (laughs) definitely curious around, like, did it work? Like, did you get people to buy in right away and, and, how, if not, like, how have you gotten people to buy in? Because look, I can say the Impact League is very successful and it has, I think it, it accomplishes every single goal it tries to every event and I've seen it progress and grow and continue to evolve. And so I'm, I'm just curious, like, how did you get people to buy in, especially internally at SailGP? It's a journey, <laughs> right? It takes time. So I suppose the impact league again no one's going to change the world and we're not going to change um the situation we're in if we don't make brave and radical moves so from day one i had the great support of my ceo who said let's try it let's try this impact league it sounds interesting you know i can see the behavioral change and it gives us as a league a usp you know kind of what is CLGP about and it gives us that point of difference so i had to present to the team ceos obviously um at the moment we have 10 teams but but back then i think we had six or seven it was obviously um, three seasons ago, I'd present to them all on a call, which you're not even in person. So it's really difficult to kind of get your passion and, and ideas around. Um, and most of them are male, I'm not gonna lie. And um, we had one female CEO and I presented the concept and all their faces, I could see their faces just go, <laughs> you know, I, they didn't say no because Russell was behind it. So they didn't say no, but I remember Ben Ainsley after our British um, driver saying to me that he came away thinking, she's just going to take away from actual performance. Like, and I think a lot of them were worried that I was going to distract them. We're still a new sport. So remember, this is, we're, we're four seasons in now. So this was kind of two seasons in, still trying to figure out our product, you know, get fans there, grow the sport. And then I'm adding a new element. And I think they all felt it was a distraction, except for maybe the New Zealand team, who from day one had live ocean and purpose at the heart. But none of them said no. I don't know if I scared them or if it was Russell or I just kept talking and they just didn't know what to say. So like, I think you have to kind of have energy and passion and, and sell the value. So they said yes, but we said we're going to evolve it. And it's about a two-way conversation. If it's not working, we check in. You know, it's not about us dictating. You can't dictate change. You have to collaborate. So we said, let's try it. Let's see how it goes. And then let's get constant feedback and 
and um, kind of work on it. And so um, it, it was challenging at the beginning. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's like everyone. You have climate deniers, you have climate supporters. I would say um, our athletes, and I know you probably had different struggles, athletes on the water and and have a different um, view on sustainability. They really do. Because I've worked with motorsport, you know, tennis, cricketers, who actually are really affected by climate change, their their kind of pitches and their sports, but they don't seem to resonate with it because they're not, you know, our oceans are a racetrack. But say, I think athletes did see climate change. So it wasn't like I had to, you know, get them across that. Of course, we need to do more for climate. It was more distraction. It was more like hassle. It was more like fighting over the rules and it's, it's more work to do. It was the resourcing. You know, this is taking time away from the water. Um, and so I suppose when you launch things like this, you need to kind of go in and be brave and, and it's challenging. You know, you have to have resilience, believe in the concept. I, be, I knew that it would work. I just wasn't sure how quickly and how, you know, you launch with 10 criteria. I just had to back that. If I could do this again and other sports, hopefully we'll do this, maybe cycling, watch this space. I would say launch with two or three like start small and build, but I went big, you know, like go big, 10 criteria is a lot to ask the teams to do. You know, we were in COVID, you know, I hardly met them. They didn't have that much experience. They didn't have that much knowledge. And we're asking them to do things pretty high sustainability work without that much kind of knowledge. So actually, again, hindsight, I'd have educated them and done it slower to kind of build up. But, but I think what you have to stick to your guns, you have to be brave. You know, I say people in my role have a rhino skin because you, you, challenge any change management in anything you do in life there always will be challenge and you cannot back away from challenge you have to lean into it and you have to have debates healthy debates are great I mean I don't know if people know athletes I won't name names but certain athletes I have conversations with about like sustainable farming or airplane like why business class is more carbon footprint than an economy that athlete would never have known that or would never be discussing it with me except for the impact league so although you I was having battles you know, the CEOs were sending me photos of like people with their lights on, or I even had teams plugging in their power into other people's, you know, kind of bases to win points. So it got a little bit competitive and a little bit kind of nasty at points. And again, you have to stick by it. You have to evolve and speak to everyone and say, right, getting a bit ridiculous now, how can we evolve and work together? So you just have to be consistent, but also don't be scared to change things because no one knows what they're doing. So we launched a new concept and if so-and-so criteria didn't work, evolve it, you know, and work with the athletes. I mean, like, you know, Isabella, we used to have check-ins and get feedback and say, right, what's working, what's not working, because nobody wants to do it for doing its sake. It's not a tick box. It's actually about changing mindsets, having impact as a league. And if it was just about spreadsheets and tick boxes, why are we doing it? So it was always kind of trying to come back to the objective of the impact league and evolving it. Um, But it's not easy. I think it's the first season. I feel like, we're probably not plain sailing, but but it feels a little bit more like it's business as usual at CLGP. It's not a lot of fights. Everyone gets it. Everyone's excited by it. They're motivated. It's a bit different this year. So, so yeah, I would say braveness. You've got to be brave and you've got to take conflict and be able to have conflict, but evolve and change the way you're doing it. You are never going to change anything without those ingredients, but you've got to just keep going. Yeah. Keep it, going. Um, it was always definitely interesting, like meeting with our suppliers, for example. It was actually really nice to always have the financial argument there and to actually be able to say like, well, if you change your packaging or change how you're actually using your distribution channels, it's going to save you money in the end. And, and so that, that, those conversations were the easy ones. 
And then it sort of shifted once we got to the athlete side where they said, yeah, well, I don't have time to do this. It's taking away from I'm getting paid for. And why does it really matter? Like what, how does this actually really matter? Like how does the number of time, like tons of waste that we reduce this season actually matter at the end of the day, it all ends up in the same place, whether we created it or not, which those were the the harder conversations I'd say to try and get that buy-in and try and get that engagement. And um, where I sort of, every time I found, it's like a roller coaster ride through the season. Like people would have these highs and we'd have these events where everyone was really engaged. And then next thing you know, we'd show up at the next event. I'd have no idea what happened and everybody would be not wanting to engage with the impact league, not interested anymore, pushing against it. Um, and at least, so I personally found on the athlete side, what always sort of helped steer us back on track was, was that emotional touch point of, okay, well, I understand all of that. Let's park the entire climate side. Let's park all of that hard data. Can you just come and help me talk about how amazing sailing is to the sailing group of kids? that have come in, they don't yeah. know anything about it. Let's show them our F50, show them how cool it is and just try and inspire one person to maybe go into engineering to help design a better a better version of this boat. And that sort of always helped bring the athletes back um, and enge- re-engage them, sort of that really that emotional lives impacted side. But I'm curious then when you're sitting down at um, with Russell, the CEO, for example, or some of the team owners, what, what drives more engagement? Is it hard data that they're looking for and saying we've actually reduced our electricity consumption and this is how we've redone our shipping routes and this is the emissions that we've reduced? Or, or is it really it's more of that sort of lives impacted sort of soft emotional data point that helps engage them? Yeah, I think, you know, th- those kind of senior management team, it's all about value. And I suppose, again, my job is proving value. So it's like, what is the value? Like going back to the Ben Ainsley British team, I think they thought it was a distraction, but then very quickly saw it was a huge commercial um, opportunity for them as a team because sponsors, media, you know, want to speak to them because the Impact League, because it's different. And that's why people were approaching um, that team. And that's why CLGP is growing faster than anyone. You know, we don't, we're a niche sport. We don't have the eyeballs on motorsport and football and golf, but actually we're more sustainable. We have authenticity. And so I think they saw the business value of the Impact League, which is a bit of everything. So it's like you said, like the comm side, the operational side. And I think every athlete Mm -hmm. wants to win, as you know. So like the competitive side, if they want to win and they all have kids and they all want to do good, they all want to like see that kind of, like you said, the impact. And, And in hindsight, like I said about doing less criteria, in hindsight, what I probably would have done is spent six months doing education programs for the athletes on each topic. So waste travel so I'd have spent got specialists or spent hours like explain to them why waste is an issue in the world what we can do and why like you said it's important and what it means for the future so they kind of knew their role because again I probably thought most of them understand this and again we're in a bubble so like for me like of course waste is an issue you know of course plant-based diet is better but but again maybe everyone is from a different country and different countries have different views which again was something we didn't consider you know the US has got a very different view of sustainability yeah. than, than the UK or Europe and so taking that into account so yeah in hindsight like you said I think what I could have done is spent time educating the athletes and teams so when they're doing those they don't ask that question why they already have had that education to go of course like you know but it, but it's like everyone like you know you get I don't know what you, my friends say this but you know if I have an electric car what does it matter if no one else has it it's like 
stop worrying about everyone else or governments or everything. All we can do is what we can control. We can control the way we act. And I promise you, if every single person does one or two things differently, the world will be better. So it's like, you know, everyone's got excuses and it's always trying to bring it back to the right. What's the one thing you can do? Or like you said, you know, speak to your younger athletes and inspire, like bring it back to them. Um, but I think the business management, the teams that did really well, um, the senior management investors and CEOs are really committed to this. So, you know, that is success is if they're committed and, you know, I'm walking around races and they're having impact league meetings and they're like trying to win because the senior management see the value, you know, they want to win, but they also, from a commercial perspective or from a comms, they don't want to be the last team in the impact league. That doesn't look good for anyone. So, um, so yeah, I think it's kind of that value yeah, piece. I, definitely interesting. And I, I'm thinking back, back to just sort of the education piece and the dialogue. And I did always find any kind of dialogue was a good sign. So even if I was, I was defending yeah, to, um, I have a, a really a good story of how competitive the impact league actually got and how much people did care at one time. Um, well, I, I it involved some really famous cardboard that was left outside behind a Canadian tent and it rained overnight. And so this cardboard was then weighed because all of our waste was being weighed, um, soaking wet. And so I was actually tasked with explaining that wet cardboard weighs more than dry cardboard, um, which I've just felt quite silly even having to say that out loud to somebody. Um, but then justifying why this needed to be dried and then reweighed and then dealt with differently and how it's not all actually our cardboard. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it actually opened a platform for me to have a conversation about and go, well, why do we even have so much cardboard on base? that it ended up yeah, behind like, our tent yeah, where it could it. get rained on and that this is a conversation that we're now having. So it, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I, I enjoy some of those conversations and just the education piece. And I definitely, I'd agree and say, I think some basic education is starting point, but if, so if you're hired in a brand new organization as a chief purpose officer, you don't have time to necessarily do the education piece because there's, kind of like a startup mode everybody's going and doing multiple jobs wearing lots of hats but it's your job to try and champion positive ESD change what's that one piece of advice that you give that individual I know that's a it's a good question it's always hard I, I think the the cost of inaction is huge now in the world for all of us like the cost of inaction for sports for anyone is huge for athletes so my advice is they have to lean in they have to do something differently um, and I know maybe I didn't have time for education, but an hour for climate 101 or an hour to watch some Netflix documentary around, around climate is a good start. Um, but I think, yeah, I think like, you know, people say this to me all the time, like, what's your one advice? My one advice always is do something, right? It can be anything, but just do something differently because everyone has to. And as athletes, they have this and sports have a responsibility. And that's what annoys me when they don't use their responsibility for good. Sport, we know people listen to, we know younger demographic, we know globally it's recognized. Sport has this opportunity in a unique platform. They owe it to the world to educate themselves and operate differently, not have calendars that fly around the world, not go in jets everywhere, you know, not have plastic bottles in, in interviews. It's like the world we're going into, athletes can help educate people and they should be responsible adults. They're like CEOs of businesses. You know, they really have to kind of take that responsibility on. Um, and I think a lot of them, you know, want to but they're scared and it's that kind of I know we go back to education but they're scared because they don't understand it they don't look stupid so again it's taking time 
even an hour to do that climate 101 or an hour to sit down with them and say, right, if you don't know anything about the world we're going into, let's talk about, you know, what the Paris Agreement or 1.5 degrees is and why that's an issue and how it will affect the world you live in and your kids and your life and even just basics about what climate change actually is and what the three things they can do differently. That would be it. Like you've got to just start something to change. So have that conversation. And it's never going to be easy conversation. People go, I don't care. I'm too busy. But yeah, you just got to be like resilient. I'm that annoying person. Like he's always like challenging and always there and present. Because if I give up, then I feel like, you know, you make it easy for everyone to give up. So that's why for my first point in the podcast, it's like you need to have a senior stakeholder who's championing this cause. Because if that person's not there championing it and like fighting for it, like people follow that and the passion and the kind of the strategy. And it's really important that you have these ambassadors, like you were in the Canadian team, you were the ambassador for change. You were bringing them on the journey. You were taking time, you committed. And without you, they probably wouldn't have ever, you know, done very well in the impact league or cared. And so it's, it's like picking the ambassadors to, to do good, but just change, do something differently. It's really not that difficult. Nice. Well, thank you so much, Fiona. Um, let, let you get back and to all of our listeners definitely keep following the impact league and what sale GP is up to. Cause it's, uh, yeah, as Fiona says, watch this space you can spoiler alert. There's some big things coming. Here's hoping. And, and you can have an impact league at home, you know, like I should do it with my family. I haven't done it yet. I've got two kids and a dog. I should actually do that. Have an impact league with your family, but I'm saying it's not just sports. It could be businesses, staff engagement, like reduce your travel as a business. Like it's incentivizing good behavior. It's super simple. Think about who's your audience. What do you want to change? Put prizes, do something silly around it. Like you could do your impact league or everyone listening could do an impact league in some way. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you.